I am Chris. And I'm Matt. Welcome to Roleplay Chat. We are two game masters who can't stop talking about roleplaying games. <laughs> and today we'll talk about players going third person. What does that mean? And as always, we're going to focus in on roleplay and get better at it together. And actually today, although, you know, although it, it's a episode for players and game masters, I think we owe the players some love, right, Chris? We, we should have a more player-centric episode this time around. Yes, yes. I, th I think this is a great subject for that. I think there's a lot to gain. And I even say when I say like players going third person, when when we when we will definitely talk mostly to the players, but there's still I, I foresee things that game master will also be able to use in their own description narration, uh, which is a lot of what the game master is doing anyway. So, mm -hmm. um, but definitely, I think it's what we're going to talk about today is something that is underrated by players or underused by players. Let's so if you're way. a game master, get your players to listen to this episode, <laughs> make it homework for the Christmas break. You know, you can't go out to party for New Year's Eve, but you sure can listen to role play chat. So yeah, if you want, uh, if you want to like, I don't know, like a doc where we ask questions to make sure that your players really listen, uh, kind of like a test after we can definitely give you that. Just tweet at us, send us a, an email, and we'll do that. Well, I added the email to our Twitter page, by the way, so we're going to hopefully get an influx of emails, Chris. Oh, so that means actually the emails we've gotten were just from me saying contactroleplaychat.gmail.com at the yeah, end. Yeah, they're just listening to you, your fine voice, your beautiful <laughs> voice, and your, your parting wisdom. All right, how are you doing, Matt? <laughs> Chris doesn't want to talk about that anymore. Okay, how am I doing? <laughs> how am I doing? I'm doing good. Christmas is just around the corner. Mm -hmm. Christmas? Chris Christmas, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ontario just went on lockdown too, right? Yeah, yeah. It uh, As of Boxing Day, we are oh, that's in after, full right? lockdown. So the day after Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, but I mean, we, we didn't really have plans to see anybody anyway. Um, but oh yeah, it's, it's good. I'm... In terms of role-playing stuff, I'm really not doing a whole lot. Like, crafting continues. We uh, we bought a TV a while back, and I saved all of the styrofoam. It's okay. like the... It's like the Did you white... actually manage to do this with this? Well, so I'm building, like, quote-unquote, quote quote like, land masses. So, like, it's... Spoilers! It's not... I'm not using the texture of the styrofoam. I'm like basically covering the entire styrofoam. Okay, okay. So it it's fine. It 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 serves as a good light base, and then I like plaster over it, paint over it, and then I put um, like grass and sand and rocks and stuff on top of it. So anyway, nice. it's 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 fun. It's good. It's taking up most of my basement, but <laughs> <laughs> what can you do? It's a pandemic. You gotta have fun. So that's what I'm doing. How about, uh, how about yourself? What are you up to? I'm still pretty busy with the new baby, so I don't have that much time. I actually started playing a video game, Kingdom Come Deliverance. Uh, I played a while back when it was released and then stopped. And then I, I started back because it's slow story. Sometimes I can play one hand with the baby in the other hand, just like walking from town to town and stuff. But um, yeah, 
a little bit of that. But otherwise, I've been really missing role-playing games. Uh, we've, we're playing in our friends Alex's game every two weeks, uh, which is... I, I thought it'd be enough to scratch the itch, but I feel like it's almost making it worse where I just want to <laughs> play more. Uh, I think it's a mix between, like, you know, not seeing anybody and mm -hmm. having a little bit, like, I'm not working right now because I'm on leave. Um, so it's, yeah. And actually, I've been thinking a lot about, and when I say thinking a lot, I mean today, because I think I came up with that today. I've been trying to think if there's a way to, and I'm going to be dramatic here, revo revolutionize role-playing games. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> oh, oh. That's a big statement there. <laughs> Go big or go home, right? No, I actually, so the idea was you, me, our friend Alex, we have our friends Vince, we're all game masters. Like, we go, like, we kind of pass the ball of game mastering. And you and I have been talking a lot about, like, maybe trying, like, 100% improv games. Mm -hmm. So I was actually trying to think if there would be a way to do a game where there's no game masters where we all are game masters. Maybe there's like one lead who takes like breaks the like ties when people have two conflicting ideas. But I was actually trying to think if we could be like, you know, like one is like the lore master. The other one is like the monster master. The other one is the um, location master or the roll 20, whatever. Like we split the responsibilities. Mm -hmm. And then whenever, like we all have a character. So there's, there's no game master and it's just like basically random tables and like improvising and someone being like and then this happens and then we have to like move with it it's probably gonna be like it would probably be some kind of chaos but i think that's why if there's like one like main game master to like make it a little bit more um I don't know where it makes everything work and I would make it very episodic. Like it wouldn't be like a big campaign thing. It'd be like a, you're a group of mercenaries. You do you, this is the episode of one town and then you move to the next town and we just reset. Um, it's kind of like a totally improv, no game master, but everybody's a game master. Hmm. You know, like one is like you're in around, uh, there's a random encounter and then I turn to the monster master and I'm like, what's like, what happens? What shows up in the bush there? And then he says it. And then I say, I don't know, like something crazy happens. And I ask another character, another player, what happens? And then it's just spitballing, spitballing and having crazy things happen. Huh. I just want to play and I don't want to have to do prep. So yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> interesting. It sounds interesting. I have to think about you warned me. You said I didn't know how he was going to react, and I'm not sure how I, how I'm feeling about that. But I mean, <laughs> I think it could be fun. Have a couple drinks, just chilling. I think the vibes are going to be, let's just mess around and shoot the shit and like see yep. what happens. So that, that yeah, that could be a lot of fun. Um, and I I mean, I'm tempted to say there's probably a system that exists like this. Um, really? I mean, I don't know. I feel like there are so many tabletop RPG systems that exist that likely there's something that we could use uh, as like a baseline for that. I, I don't I feel like actually... doing the research though. So if you're yeah, no. listening, <laughs> you know, 
you know of a system that is game masterless and good for improvised games, let us yeah. know. I might I might ask Twitter later, see what they say. Gloomhaven doesn't count. No, yeah. Or, we mean a very like you mean like a dungeon a, crawler. Not dungeon crawler story driven where everybody has a say into the narrative and the yeah, mm. it could be cool. Because I was thinking dandy system with like a fate underground. Well, like in fate when you create your world, you you basically ask some questions and people kind of give answers. Yeah, they fit into it. Yeah, yeah. So it, and it would be like I wouldn't do this with I wouldn't recommend this to anybody. <laughs> I think it's just our group because we've been game all game mastering and also been playing together for a while. I think it would still be hard to do this, but I'm I I would like to try it just to see maybe we'd be surprised on how I think it'd be actually easier than you think. Like I think so, yeah. I think I think it might actually make sense of it. like the game might actually make sense. Sometimes it might just like <clears throat> goof off but like part of the fun might be making sense of it after too right like yeah we 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 say all kinds of nonsense and then two or three games later we got we have to like be consistent with the lore that we created with the chicken that's the king of the of the yeah. toilet realm or whatever <laughs> <laughs> okay cool that's i'm i'm getting myself excited for this let's let's uh save that and maybe you guys will get an update in a couple of episodes who knows yep I just want to play, man. I just want to play. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Maybe today's episode of Ropa Chat will will scratch that itch a little bit because we're gonna put ourselves in the player's shoes and talk about, you know, basically being a player and doing third person descriptions, going into the third person. Um, so let's kick off the episode and start us off as always with a sort of a definition. Not as always, but. To kick us off in this episode, let's give ourselves a little bit of a definition about what, what we mean. So, Chris, let's uh, I'll throw it to you. What what exactly do we mean when we say going into the third person? Yeah, I think maybe just um, the idea here is players have a tendency, I noticed, to assume they need to be first person. That is, talk in character. And obviously, people might be like, um, my, character's, my character says something smart. Maybe, and we associate that with like lower level players when they say things like that. Yeah, or or like lowercase r role play. I've seen mm -hmm. Matt. I've seen Matt Colville when he oh, was yeah. doing his <laughs> definition of of role play. Yeah, he, he categorizes it as such. And anyway, just to add. To yeah, yeah. Thing. So basically, often we think of of that as like almost like bad role play, um, but here that's not exactly what we're saying. Is Sometimes, even if you're the best role player, and if you uh, listen to actual play podcasts or actual play like, like Critical Role, they do that all the time, the players. Sometimes it's valuable to remove yourself from your character and describe your character as seen by others. So by that, we mean defining and making explicit elements about your characters, mainly through descriptions. Yeah, so yeah. And, and Chris, I like how you said... Oftentimes, people focus in on first person, you know, and it's it's usually something that, I mean, I'm going to admit it. When I started really considering role play and, like, really focusing on my role play, some of the challenges I would give myself, I'd like, okay, how long can I stay in the first person? How long can I embody my character? And I think, you know, that was probably 
detrimental to a certain degree because I was preventing myself from going into the third person, giving these descriptions. And, and anyway, part of, I guess, my experience in all this is I, I've noticed that it's valuable to go into the third person and to provide descriptions. So maybe let's, let's talk a little bit more about what, what we mean and what kind of things we're talking about when we're saying going into the third person. Yeah, and actually, I mean, I guess I'm putting ourselves on the spot here. Maybe just like a quick example of what it would look like. Uh, so, and maybe put like markers of like in character, out of character or something. Um, maybe I say, I don't know, um, my, my, I don't know, my character's name is, um, I'll say Ludolf because whatever. Um, so I say something like, you guys see Ludolf enter timidly into the room, um, distracted by all the noise all around. And he walks slowly to your table and asks you, oh, what are you guys doing here? Um, and then you, then it's crisp back to the episode here. So this is an example of like setting up a scene, doing third person narration, and then you go into the scene. And obviously this could be longer. It's, but that's what we're going to talk about today. This, this description that could be before, after, or during a scene. And, and I, I like your, your voice there for Ludolf. We should make sure Vince does that voice in all future I just games. wanted to have like a very distinctive voice. And that's actually my other character's voice. I don't know. That's just the first one. It's an easy one to do. So. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Um, so yeah, so thanks for the example, Chris. I think that illustrates the point. And, and I think you, you listening, you might be wondering what, what is fair game to narrate as a player? Um, so just to you know, make sure that we don't go and grow the scope of today's episode too much, we're going to be talking about things, particularly you know, describing your character and the things that your character is doing in the third person. We're not going to talk about descriptions that players have over the rest of the game world. You know, in, in some context, for instance, in the, the, the experimental game that Chris is talking about, <laughs> all of the players in that experimental game would have a lot of agency over the world, a lot of agency over the NPCs, be able to describe them however they want. And if you're listening, maybe that's how you already run your games. I know I'm pretty liberal when I run my games. I let my players have a lot of say over the game world. But we're not going to get into that in today's episode that's i think a, another conversation for another day yeah i like like you said you're a bit li more liberal where you ask for the player's input even for description of your world where i'm the opposite where for me it's very like i control everything you control everything that's about your character i have no agency over your character well you have no agency over the world uh so i think there's kind of two extremes here and that's why also like my my experimental thing, I think, would be very out of my comfort zone, which is why I'm excited to, uh, about doing it. But, okay. Uh, so, yeah. So, we're talking about focus on your character. So, what do we mean by exactly by going third person here? Like we said, it's description, but what 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 are we describing? So, yeah. What are we describing? I think the thing that will probably come to mind the most and the fastest and the soonest is your actions, right? As a player... When you're describing your character, you're going to describe what they're doing. You're going to describe the way they approach a situation, the way they fight an enemy. Those actions are going to be something that 
you should consider describing. Yeah, if if you open a chess instead of just being like I open a chess, which is more like the player saying, like almost like clicking, oh, I'm pressing A to open a chess, kind of like video gaming. Mm -hmm. You could be explaining how. And maybe you're just opening a chest and it doesn't need a description, but like sometimes it may be valuable to describe how you're opening a chest. And actually something that keeps to keep in mind here, some table, this part is kind of like almost given to the game master, which I think here we're kind of saying, if you're a player, you should like, it'd be good if you are the one describing what your character is doing. So by that, what I mean is you're opening a chest, you could roll and roll, I don't know, for uh, lockpicking. Um, and then depending on the roll, the game master describe how your character has been doing it. A lot of tables do that. What we're saying here is as the player, I think it's your responsibility to do that, this, to, to, to do that description. Yeah, yeah. And there's benefits um, to that. But maybe let, let's keep going through some, some more things that we mean. Oh, yeah. And then maybe we'll revisit we'll revisit this list because we generated a list of things that we, we consider to be valuable to describe and then maybe we'll come back to them. Yeah, sorry. I was actually, I actually forgot about that. The second thing <laughs> is reacting. So this is, the first one was acting, basically re making actions. Uh, now we're talking about reacting to what's happening. Maybe you're not the person doing the action right now. You just need to do a little bit of description to insert yourself in the scene without necessarily like taking the spotlight that much. Mm -hmm. um, part of those reactions and part of the interactions you might be having will also include nonverbal cues. So I think it's, it's probably one of these things that you're going to want to describe it as flavor. It adds insight into what your character is doing and feeling. So you should, you should talk about it, describe it. Yeah. Uh, one big one, especially in D and D um, is describing your spells. So if you're doing, um, magic missiles, what color, uh, how do you channel your power? Do you have a one? Um, exactly what does it look like when you're, is it just like, you know, like, oh, I have a spell slot, magic bullet, boom, I cross it and I've done that much damage. If you actually insert a description, you can get a lot of cinematic moment out of it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Even for some of the like lower level stuff, right? Like it, it's still supposed to be impressive. You're you're literally doing, you're literally casting a ray of frost out of your hands. You're you're entangling someone. It's give it that oomph. It it adds a lot, especially to combat, which sometimes can get repetitive with all the rolling. And and then the another thing that you could describe is things that you're you know that are personal to your character. Special equipment, an instrument, uh, an heirloom that's been given to you. That kind of stuff. By describing it, you add a lot of flavor and flair to your character, so consider doing it. Um, and I think the list could go on forever, but I think that this is a pretty good... It gives you guys at least an idea of what we mean by things that characters and players can describe of their characters. And as we said, um, we're concentrating on player here, but this is all things the game, like the game master will probably do for NPCs. If there's a big villain casting a spell, you can describe it. You, all of it is basically applicable to all characters, but I think it's something that's, like I said at the intro, it's a little bit underused by players. Um, 
I think, but before we go into details on about this list, I think there's there's something to say about. I, I'm, we're not going to go into details of like how to do it because a lot of it is creativity. But I think one of the big, um, I guess, uh, how do we say that? Like one of the big rules uh, in authorship, I'll call, is uh, show don't tell. So maybe Matt, you can talk a little bit about more uh, about that. Yeah, yeah, um, and I mean. Like in all of our episodes, we're not professional role players or game masters or whatever, but we do consider our insights to be valuable. And, and I think in our experience, it's more fun and it's more valuable if your description doesn't explicitly say the emotion your character is going through. You know, if you see a big scary monster, don't describe in the third person, oh, you see me be scared of the monster because that or, or you see my character be scared of the monster instead i would i would encourage you to, to explore describing up to that emotion you see my character tremble you see my character dart backwards take a couple of steps back maybe position themselves behind the paladin or behind a pillar or in the threshold of the door or whatever and then you go into your into first person and start to speak, stutter your speech, demonstrate that fear as you're, you know, as, as you're talking. So it's, it's something that I would challenge you to do. Now, if you, if you do want to do third person descriptions of emotion, that's fine. You know, we're not here to tell you not to do that. Um, but if you want to challenge yourself in your role play, I would encourage you to try to, like, like we said, build up to that emotion and then act it up instead of, instead of saying it. Yeah. I think, I think this, this is one of the things that's harder to do than, than maybe it seems, or like, it's easy to say like, don't tell the other ones your emotion, but it's, it's sometimes harder to actually think of a creative way of portraying this emotion, mm -hmm. especially if, I don't know, like being scared is a D&D mechanic or in most RPG mechanic. So it might happen multiple times. So you might need to, you know, be imaginative on how you describe it through your action, all your descriptions, basically. So keeping this show don't tell in mind, and to be honest, we'll try to keep it in mind as much as we can. Uh, but um Let's, let's maybe dig deeper into those elements. And by that, we mean kind of talk about benefits, pros and cons, um, a little bit of basically what's on top of our head. We don't have anything prepared now. So we're just going to basically explore what do we mean by going third person when we're talking about an action. Already kind of set up this opening a chest thing, but maybe Matt, if you want to continue or take us in another this direction, I'll... I'll yeah. Okay. So actions, actions, you're, you're, you're acting out your action, but before you do it, you describe how you lead up to it. I, I think the, the reason why I like this idea of describing the buildup or even describing the action in a third person is because it, it gives a little bit of insight, right? It, it sets the, it sets the stage for what your character is prioritizing. That, that's what I, I personally like about it. Um, I don't think it was the same direction you were taking this, Chris. So I don't know if you wanted to, if you're comfortable 
shifting gears a little bit, but. Well, I think, I don't know. I think I agree with you in terms of like, basically, um, I don't want to say foreshadowing, but making explicit, again, we're talking about making things explicit, your intention in the way you attack a problem or do any kinds of action. Like you probably have a mind, maybe like there's a chest and you're in a treasure room. So you're very excited about opening this chest because you, you assume it's going to be something amazing, right? Well, there's the difference between this opening of a chest and the other one where you're like in a creaky like on haunted house and you don't really know what it is and you maybe it's kind of a sarcophagus like it's a it's mm-hmm. um yeah sarco- like, a, like a tomb a tomb, not a, tomb, yeah. not a, tomb yeah. a, a, a coffin coffin exactly thank you That's the word. Uh, like if it's a coffin i mean i said i said chest but like like opening a box basically it's a coffin <laughs> and you're you're like looking for a lost amulet or whatever maybe you're gonna want to look discussed and in this can and, and in this case this description if we go back to like show don't tell it would not be like oh you see my character approached the coffin being disgusted by the situation you'd be you you would say that you're like lifting your nose and maybe you would probably act out in that in that sense uh, but you would say like i open carefully the lid of the coffin and then the game master's like oh it's stuck it's nailed oh okay i i I take a piece of metal and and you know and then it becomes like you're ramping up tension instead of just saying like oh i open the coffin or Mm -hmm. i open the chest it's those two situations the treasure one and the coffin one are so different but you only the action is the same you only see it through descriptions yeah i and not only do you only see it through descriptions but the other players have a lot to gain from your description. They have mm-hmm. they can feed off of that description. You know, if if your character is normally the stoic and brave one, but now you're opening up the sarcophagus and you're you're giving this hint that maybe there's some hesitation there. Maybe you're unsure about something. It's going to feed into their perception of your character. It's going to potentially generate interesting role-play moments where they can ask you that question. Oh, you know, why were you so afraid of opening up that coffin? You know, normally you head, you, you charge head first into combat. So, so giving those descriptions of the actions you take, it, it's, they're more than just taking the action, right? So people mm-hmm. can, can, can learn from your character based on what they do but they can also learn from how they do the things that they're doing. And, and basically that's what we're saying. Describe the how of the action, not just the, like the end result, I guess. Yeah. I think this, I mean, this is probably the main reason to describe actions. Uh, do you have anything to say about action or should we move to reacting? Um, well, I mean... Oh. Maybe something, sorry, no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, maybe maybe this is going to kind of blur all of these things together, and it's going to put all of our hard work of creating different uh, lists. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> the hard work of 10 minutes before we shoot this, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I mean, I like how you, you talked about making it cinematic. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I really think that the game master, when a game master is, is playing a game, they're... they're trying everything they can, or at least in my experience, I'm trying everything I can to make us make it like 
as close to like in the movies as I can. Yeah. And when a player doesn't do this stuff, I'd be lying if I said it took away from the cinematic. Like if all you do is you say, Hey, can I roll a stealth check? Yeah. Okay. Oh, good. I got a, I got an 18. That takes away from that cinematic feeling. If, if you act out and you describe your character sneaking around and before or after the role is a, is a whole other conversation, I suppose. But if you, if you describe, you know, your character approaching the room, turning the corner, looking if there's any like torches lit, maybe like stopping to listen, those descriptions add to this, like the cinematic feel of, of the whole, of the whole thing. I couldn't agree more. That's, that's, that's so true. And that's, I go back to something I said before, like, oh, sometimes it's the game master who ends up doing it. But I think that happens when the player doesn't do it. And the game master want to bring back that cinematic feeling, like you're saying, and then is almost forced to take control of those description in mm -hmm. order to bring it into the world, to paint the picture. But... If the players, and that's why we're saying if you're a game master, you should send this thing to your players. Uh, like, <laughs> if the player is doing it, then it becomes this collabor collaboration of, of drawing this this beautiful image and the, 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 the cinematic, like you said. No, I couldn't agree more. That's that's a very good point. And I, I mean, so maybe some game master want to keep agency over that. I don't think so. But Maybe I, I my my instinct tells me that nine out of ten, probably more than that, game master would enjoy having their players do that. Basically, right? Yeah, and it doesn't have to be long, right? Like oh, I know no. we're we're probably going to end up talking about this for like an hour, but um, in your game, literally a sentence is better mm -hmm. than nothing. It's it's probably dozens of times better than nothing so like give at least do that give it a shot try it out see how you feel and and i think we're kind of working our way towards the next item which is reacting and and i think the line between acting and reacting can can get blurred a little bit especially when we start talking about you know entering spaces and things like that but i'll 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 throw it to you chris to see if you want to kick us off on this one yeah i mean for me the action is like you are being again it's kind of like in the word, but like active about it, mm -hmm. where reacting is being passive. So it's more like if someone is coming to you and is talking to you, and I don't know, maybe you want to portray, like you're listening and the person is yelling at you. For, I don't know. The person is yelling at you and you don't want to just be there being yelled at. You want to be part of the scene, but maybe your character doesn't want to say anything so uh, or doesn't want to yell back. Maybe you're going to be like, well, you see that my character is looking at his boots and seems to be like you see his shoulders a little bit trembling uh as that again it's showing an emotion it's not mm -hmm. saying like that i don't know you maybe you feel ashamed and because of something happened well it's still reacting and it's giving juice to the other player or character whoever portrays that character to like be like maybe backing off because that's not the the reaction or maybe even pushing further depending and then it becomes more of i'm giving you something back even though i'm not taking an action you know i'm not 
yeah. punching you and I'm not, yeah, I'm just reacting to what you're giving me. Yeah, and, and I think the same can be said for reacting to an environment or reacting mm -hmm. to a space. Um, I think this is probably the most, one of the most common situations where players might actually give a description uh, kind of naturally. It comes the most naturally to me anyway. You, you know, if if uh, the, the game master describes a scene in a bar and there's a bartender and there's barmaids and there's a bard setting up on the stage, the, the players will often, I, in my experience, be like, okay, well, you're going to see my character approach the bard and, and, and start to talk to him. You know, that within itself is sort of a sort of a reaction to the environment that they've put themselves in. It's also an action, I suppose. Yeah, but it's, it's kind of a hybrid. It's, yeah, it's like it's a hybrid, but it's... I think that this is kind of one of the situations that we're talking about here, Chris, right? Like, uh, the game master sets the scene, and they're looking for a reaction from the players. As a game master, we want to see what your characters are thinking. We want you to talk and engage with it. So a good way to do it is to start with a description. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, if if I go back to your example of the tavern, if the tavern is like everybody's jolly and it's a great time, you being like, I go to the bar, like might be the action. But like, like you said, you want to be reacting to like maybe the ambience. So you want to be like, oh, I'm joyful and I'm also like, Maybe uh, I'm curious to see what happens. Yeah, or I'm, I'm dancing, I'm bobbing my head to the music yeah. the bard is playing. I'm in, I'm in a good, I mean, you know, demonstrate that you're in good spirits. Um, but the same example with a tavern that's like, people are like, you know, it's grim and everybody like you're on a, I don't know, like a fishing post or, and everybody, it smells bad and blah, blah. Like the same action of going to the bar, you in your description, you will react to the, again, to the ambience of that tavern. So that's the difference. It's kind of like opening the chest, right? That's like the difference mm -hmm. between just saying I go there or here we're talking about reacting about what's going on, giving some back to your game master. They need it. They need it. <laughs> um, and, and Chris, I know we said we weren't going to talk about this, but here I am and I'm going to talk about it. <laughs> I don't know what, so, what, but okay. So let's say there's this example of the bar. Let's do the same example. You're, you're, the game master describes a bar, but does not give a whole lot of information about the ambience of the bar. Mm -hmm. Depending on your game master, part of your player's description could be to inject ambience into this space. Now, again, it, it's, 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 it's stepping in a little bit to the creative elements here, and, and maybe your game master has a very clear picture that this is supposed to be a grim and dark and scary space. And hopefully as a player, you've picked up on that. You know, like if it's in the, the shady part of the town and it's, it's got a spooky name and he describes some of the people in there to look kind of like never-do-wells, in your description, don't go and inject an air of like fancy, festive, fun. So I, I, I'm, I'm not sure if you see where I'm going with this, Chris, but like you can add to the descriptions and you can add to the spaces based on your descriptions. You know, if you say, oh, my character starts to shiver, the bar is like, he feels cold. It doesn't like maybe it implies that it's not 
poor, it's poorly insulated. I don't know. That's a really crappy example. Um, no, but like, I, I think I understand what you mean. And I think for me, the nuance is, um, so if the game master hasn't set the ambience, I mean, this is probably, I think, a mistake on the part of the game master, or maybe you just want to go faster. Then as a player, I would probably go, what's the, what's the room feeling like? Like, can yeah, you tell yeah, me more yeah. about this? And then after maybe going back to your point, let, let's say they do this a grim thing and they say it's a fish, uh, a place where they, there's a bunch of fishermen and blah, blah, blah. But they don't say it smells bad. Maybe as a player, I can be like, oh, I go there and I kind of like squint my eye because I'm smelling the fish. And blah, blah. Like, even though the game master hasn't really set this, like in this stage, I think this is then not too far-fetched. So I think for me, and I think, again, it depends from one table to the other, I am only comfortable adding things in my description that are very close to something that's already been stated. Yeah, so yeah. To add it a little bit, but I think the gap that's in between might differ from one game master to the other and one player to the other. Yeah, and, and I think that's probably part of this caveat is, that we should that you know for those of you listening you, you should consider that your descriptions can have an influence on the game world so just be aware of, of everybody's level of comfort with with that but it's uh yeah sorry I, no no I, I think it's a, I think it's a great point and that's something again I always do that because I'm apparently the critical role resident person but like uh something they do and I'm I was shocked at first is for instance let's say I don't know Bo and Yasha are having a conversation that is, we'll say, tense or like they're uncomfortable. So they'll have this whole conversation and then Bo will turn and go talk to Ford. It's not really important the names, but like, if you don't watch Critical Role. And then Ford will say, what's wrong with you, Bo? You're all sweaty. And this was not established that she was sweaty. We just saw the scene that she was nervous. Mm -hmm. Ford put that on top, like almost... It, that that's where improv and the yes end comes in, and then Bo is the character that Marcia would would say like would be oh yeah, and then she would like remove like she would uh, pat her forehead and she she like act into it, and they do that all the time, and that you need to be like at the right level of comfort, but I think it really adds something. Yeah, and and that's a whole other layer of descriptions. That's I I'm not <laughs> I'm not there yet. That for sure. Like to describe how another player, like as a player, to describe how another player character is being portrayed and like adding to that character, to me that feels like another level beyond the, the environment. Like, yeah, yeah. and maybe maybe that's just me. Maybe other people have different levels of preference. Like I would have more, I personally, I would prefer to add to the ambience of a bar than add to the emotions of another player character because I feel yeah. like that's like off off limits. But I mean, this creates problems. Yeah. Uh, again, like uh, an example, it's critical, but it doesn't matter if it is. Uh, first of campaign two, um, Jester went to Caleb and was like, "Oh, you should take a bath. You know, you smell." And <laughs> and from that point on, he was known as the guy who smells, even though it wasn't established by the players. And he Liam wasn't super excited about it. So, so there's definitely a be careful there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Anyway, but that's that's more about like 
and even that, that's not even third person, right? It's like in character, adding something to someone else. But it's related to what we're saying here. But um, well, I think I think this is uh, maybe taking us a little bit away from this, like going third person. So if we go go back to, we said action, we said reacting. Uh, I believe actually, you talked about. Oh, go ahead. But before we before we go on to the next one, Chris, I, I think when we talk about reacting, I think we're correct me if I'm wrong, but like. I get the impression what we're saying here is it's beneficial for players to describe reactions almost all the time. Like if the game master goes through the effort of describing an environment, you enter a building, you enter a courtyard, you enter a dungeon, whatever. If the game master goes through the effort of describing something like this, I think what we're saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, it's beneficial for at least one person to describe their reaction to that space. Oh yeah, no, for sure, for yeah. sure. I think I think there's two things I want to say about that. One is yes, totally. <laughs> it's like <laughs> when like like normally when players are entering, characters are entering a room, the game master will do a description. If it's just a vacuum after that, and people are like, "Well, I go left, I go right," blah blah blah, it, you lost the momentum that the game master brought. Mm -hmm. So having a one player, maybe two, but probably if you're playing with seven characters. The seven players, you probably you shouldn't have all seven reactions. Well, like having one or two reacting to a tense environment or to the tavern, whatever, will definitely uh, glue everything together and will will help a lot. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention, I forget it. Uh, okay, th think about it because I, I have something to say to what you just said. Yeah. Um, I'm going to pretend. That we had a question from the audience. We don't. It's me. It's my question. But let's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, it's uh, at Matt uh, 2014. <laughs> yeah. So at Matt asks, when my games, like when my party enters a room, usually somebody gives a description and then that drives the rest of the scene. That drives the attention of the party. I'm going to ask you, Chris, do you have, or what are your thoughts? And maybe you can ask me the question back after. <laughs> what are your thoughts on enabling multiple people to have that? Because in my experience, that's happened. And, and I've, as a game master, I'm guilty of it. I, I introduce the party to, to an environment or I introduce them to an NPC. Somebody describes their reaction and their action. And then I just go with oh, that. Yeah. And then nobody else had the chance to describe their actions or reactions. And it almost implies that they didn't have any. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I'm sure that people listening have experienced this. And, and I wonder, is that bad? Like, should, should game masters try to stop that? Should, should other players step up and, and like make their, their emotion or not their emotion, but their, their reaction heard? Like, like, force it in or does that just cause more issue I, I don't know i just another parenthesis about this but i think it might be interesting to talk about yeah i mean i think this touches on the problem that is common in i assume any role-playing games which is the more you engage with the content the more the content becomes about you mm -hmm. but if there's other players that don't engage as much then it becomes by definition less about them or i don't know maybe there's a leap of logic here but like usually that's what happens and i think that's what you're saying right if if there if it's always the same player at every room reacting to the 
to the description, then it's going to feel like this is this character's story and the other ones are psychics, like plain simple. Mm -hmm. So if your question is if that's okay, I would say if it's always the same player. I mean, the real answer, if, if that's okay with every player, then that's fine. Maybe they like yeah, being yeah. sidekicks and blah, blah, blah. Well, like for me to feel like as a game master, I'm having a well-balanced party. This is not really what I'm going for. So I would say no. I would say I would prefer and I would talk to my players in encouraging them and almost being like, you've had your turn to talk. Like now, what does yeah. Otis think? What does Randall think? Or chances are it's not always going to be the same person going in first. So maybe I would ask the first person to go in to react. I don't know. What do you think? Did you have an answer to your own question? Well, I mean, I was kind of setting it up to say that if you're a player and you're listening to this, don't do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that was kind of what I was <laughs> That's saying. That's a good setup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, I'm still not sure because sometimes there's, there's, there's instances when a scene is set up, like I haven't, I do it a lot. I set up like a pretty big scene or I set up a pretty big environment and that initial reaction can be telling of the other, of, of all of the characters. So like in a perfect world as a game master, I would almost want to like pan the camera over mm -hmm. every single character's face. Um, but, but yeah, I, I guess what you, I guess your answer to that is, is very much like make sure you ask everybody one by one as the game master. Well, maybe the puffer fish could be helpful there where, you know, in the puffer fish moments uh, and go back, if, if you don't know what we're talking about, go back to listen to the episode about puffer fish, but it's basically setting up a scene. But we, with the puffer fish, we, we allow maybe the game master to set up a scene for other players. So let's say it's, and I'll, I'll take Diedrich and Ludolf go and they're the two players the two characters that are always reacting because the players are doing it and randall and otis are not doing it much um then maybe i when i see an opportune moment will take the buffer fish and be like i want a scene i want to have a reaction and it can be in character and it can be third person i don't mind mm -hmm. but i need i need to know what's happening with your characters right now we need to have like you said this um this focus on what's happening with those. Uh, maybe Randall opened a chest. Okay. He just says, I open the chest and I'm like, I give a buffer fish and I'm like, okay, can you describe what's happening? And that might actually affect my role, like my DC or whatever mm -hmm. system you're using. Okay, cool. Sorry. So that good job. We answered Matt <laughs> underscore three, four, five's answer about uh, a question. Good question, Matt. Woo. Thanks for writing in. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, didn't, I didn't remember what I was going to say about reacting. Uh, but what I'll say, I'll say something else, is that acting and reacting and all these things can and is probably beneficial to do also in combat. When we say action, we literally mean it could include actions, as in actions, like the mechanic of it, like shooting a bow, uh, I don't know, like mounting on a horse or whatever you do, right? And reacting could be reacting to, again, like a reaction, attack of opportunity, or even just reacting to one of your friends falling down, like being, like starting uh, being unconscious or all of these 
and like you said, very short, but could be inserted in combat. Yeah, I really like that you make that distinction. Um, something that I think people should do, and I try to do when I'm a game master for my my NPCs, like when there's a fight or my enemies. But I think people should have like combat cries. I might have said this before, but like I think people should have a couple of little sentences that they say. Like if you're a cleric and you're healing people, you know, put in a couple of sentences about what your character says. And I know this is not a description, but maybe you could do the same thing for your descriptions, you know, write out a couple of little like quote unquote descriptions of what your character does when they provide healing to another another character. Do they like think about that and, and give that description because it it happens too often that a healer just goes like, okay, well I hold I roll healing word or healing touch or whatever and, and now oh you get you get seven HP done. Like that's that's not enough. Give give more, I think. Yeah, um, that's the end of the night. <laughs> end of the night. It should be end of the night stuff, not beginning of the night when you have lots of energy. Uh, sure, and I think sure. you're segue really well into the next one, right? Well, I, we're we're starting to run a little bit long, and I really want to talk about uh, the last the last thing on our list here, Chris. So I don't know about you, but I'm I'm yeah. Let, let's talk about spells and attacks, and maybe jump straight to that. Are you cool with? Yeah, I think I think okay. So, well, do you want to take it or? Well, okay, sure. Yeah. So on Twitter, I ran a poll, and I was actually really happy to see. The amount of people that voted on it and it got a lot of attention because I think a lot of people probably do this already, but they customize their spells. They give it a, they give the, 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 the poll itself was what color is your magic missile? And it got all kinds of cool answers. And it, you know, something that came up quite a bit was people saying, well, it depends on my character and it depends on the world and it depends on where my magic is coming from, et cetera, et cetera. And it really just goes to show that people are already considering customizing these things. I mean, I wonder if they're considering describing them. Yeah, and that touches on the other the thing I actually forgot, which is whenever you have a reaction or a spell or whatever that is implicit in your mind and you make an effort to come up with it, make it explicit, describe it, put it in the game. You know, I see so many, like I have one of my players drives me crazy it's not in this uh not in your group in my brother's group but like it drives me crazy because i'll be like you should you should think of how this makes you feel and he's like thinking for like five minutes and he's like i got it and we <laughs> never hear about it ever again <laughs> like i'm sure it like feeds his role play but like yeah, make yeah, it yeah. explicit and spells is like that and it's funny when you asked that poll i was actually thinking last week uh my gnome wizard I came up with like, because I have this, uh, I'm at the arcane school of, uh, it's not tinkering, but it's an invention. Mm -hmm. And I have like an arcanal armor, ar arcano armor or whatever it's called. And like my magic missiles are little like arms, metallic arms that shoot like uh, almost sonar. That's uh, cool. That's cool. Like sound and you say like woo, 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 really targeted. And like, because I can have three magic missiles, it's three, three arms that can go in different direction because you can cast them on, different yeah. people and and like prepping my spell is actually prepping like the mechanic in my armor and my spell book is basically an ikea <laughs> like <laughs> manual it's it's well, maybe more complicated than that but you know what i mean like all of this and when i cast shutter i uh, shatter i think it's called 
it's a little ball that like there's a mechanism and then it explodes and all of this really paints a picture and then the game master like feeds off of that uh and obviously when you do these kind of description it should fit i think with what the spells like the description of the spell you know like if it does fire damage you could describe it blue but it would be blue flames probably not like an ice pick yeah i suppose that this is like quote unquote a limitation of of these spell books and and the because i mean some of the spells most of the spells have descriptions already as to like what they are and and how they interact with the world but i think you know if your game master is cool with it as a player if you want to get creative in yeah in, in what these spells are have at it have have the fun you want to have you know if if you want your whole deal to be your you're like Elsa from Frozen and all your spells are like ice magic, but you want to cast fireball, but like you're Elsa, you can't cast fireball. Anyway, you know, you just have to let it go, Matt, if that's the case. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, bad pun. (laughs) Very nice. Good job. job. Anyway. Yeah. So talk about it to your game master, add that color in, add the customization descriptions. It's yeah. And I think maybe just to tie everything, like what we've been talking about and then move to the, the last point is something I also wanted to mention is you, you kind of touched on it a little bit. We circled around it, which is when are you doing the description before mm-hmm. or after a roll? I'm a big fan of describing what is already established, like not your level of success, but like until you roll and then describing what happened after your roll, depending on the level of success you have. Don't be afraid of going back in time to do your description. That's I, that's interesting, and, and I think part of that is it's partly the game master's responsibility to call on a description, or not sorry, to call on a role, right? Mm-hmm. So, if you want to open the chest, describe your character trying to open the chest, and worst case scenario, you describe your character doing it. And then the game master is going to tell you, actually, you know what? This is this is hard to open. It's bolted down. Please roll me a physique check. And like, sure, maybe you gave a description for nothing. So, so maybe I'm saying the opposite of what you just said, Chris. Yeah, like, basically the opposite. But yeah. I mean, it's different ways of doing it. For me, it would be like, uh, if I'm a barbarian, I want to smash a chest and it's, uh, it's uh, an athletics check. I, I'd be like, so I lift up, lift up my axe and like... Uh, descend it on the chest and then he would make me roll and then I would describe like after the impact like if I fail maybe I go woo, 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 like it shakes in my hand or yeah, if I crush yeah. it I like again scream or whatever the description is um, so that's my version of doing it but maybe for you you're like I crush the chest and then you go back yeah I mean it it obviously requires a certain level of awareness from the players so I think, I hope that players don't just think that they can bust down a door without a yeah. check. Mm-hmm. B- but at the same time, maybe that's implying that players know all of these things all the time. Like, I, I guess I've been privileged in that I've played with players who, who for the most part, know the rules quite well and, and aren't going to take those liberties. So I could permit myself this flexibility in allowing them to describe things. And, and, and I trust myself as a player 
to create descriptions that aren't like that should be like free successes mm-hmm. if, if yeah, i will yeah, yeah. um but I, I suppose my my position on this is whatever describe it how you want and as the game master i'll tell you you know what that you're pushing we'll it. you're pushing it a little bit let's roll first you succeed okay good your description worked and you've already described it mm-hmm. or you failed let's back it up how do you how do you fail this here yeah mm-hmm, for sure and i think for me that just like going back in time i think i because i it maybe it sounds like i'm i'm kind of contradict contradicting myself with like going back in time for me going back in time is more like if i'm in the middle of combat and i do the description of like i swing and then I, I hit or whatever, and then the, the 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 enemy swings and like there's a wolf and he bites me and whatever. Maybe at the end of the round, what I'd like to do as a player is kind of wrap it all together and be like, I see the ranger shooting the arrow, and after I threw my axe down on the beast, he roar backed at me and like kind of like describe everything that happened in the whole package. Mm-hmm. This is more what I mean by going back in time to. Like I guess to make I educated descriptions. Yeah, exactly. To to yeah. to be like, well, there a whole round went. Like we went through a whole round. Let's take this, uh, recap everything through description and move forward. Then you get the cinematic. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that's something you've talked a little bit before. Like as an exercise, you could always start your turn by describing what you just did, or like the per the the what the, the previous, previous person, person did. did. Yeah, yeah, like how you witnessed what the mm-hmm. other person did yeah that, that that would be a lot of fun i guess it's not exactly a third person description it's more of a oh yeah it could still yeah, be it is, it is it's going, a description of yeah. how your character perceived what just happened so yeah yeah definitely something worth doing um okay so let, let's shift gears a little bit if you're okay with that chris yep. mm-hmm. um and i want to talk about something that i think i'm still learning how to do so for those of you listening, let's learn about it together. Um, <laughs> and, and it's really being able, because I think these descriptions are powerful. These descriptions are fun. But what makes them even better is when you do this kind of like gear shift between third person descriptions and first person acting. And bouncing in between these two things I think is when role play is at its finest. Um, so I guess I, I kind of want to talk to you a little bit about that, Chris. And, and you know, do you have any like opening thoughts on on this? Uh, my opening thoughts would be this is definitely a higher level skill, mm-hmm. and I think it's something that is really creates. I think it helps removing the vacuum that sometimes happens in scenes. A little bit like the intro was saying, like the the guy like walking up and then my say, oh, what's going on here? And then maybe you as the player would would say, oh, we're just drinking, we're just drinking. And then you describe how you start chugging your beer. And Mm -hmm. then it's kind of like almost a cue of now you talk. Yeah, yeah, that's and I like how you said that it's a cue. It's it's it sets the scene. And it cues the person to talk. or it, Because if, if you just stop talking, the other person might not have a whole lot to go off of. They might not 
like hopefully they have an opinion about what they're trying to say or, or where their character's going and their motivations and all these other things that we've talked about in the past. But worst case scenario, if they've got nothing to go off of, at least you're helping paint the picture of, of the scene that's happening. Um, and I, I think, like you said, it's an advanced, it's a more advanced form of role play and something that I'd like to start doing with my fellow players when we have our pufferfish moments. I, I think it's something that can be integrated quite nicely into pufferfish moments, um, which for those of you listening, it's, it's this, this form of creating a one-on-one -on -one scene between two player characters. It's basically talking sticks. Um, but, but there's definitely been some disadvantages to using pufferfish moments, right, Chris? Like, I, mm -hmm. I feel like pufferfish moments, although they generate an environment for a one-on-one -on -one scene, it kind of implies that the two characters are already face-to-face -face in the middle of a conversation, and it takes mm -hmm. away some of that buildup that the descriptions help create. Um, yeah, and a big and another, I guess, a problem we've been having with pufferfish moment is the end of the scene. Uh, when we reach the end of the scene, you could just, so the way we've been doing it in the past is that once, so the pufferfish moment just real quickly is is an indicator. It's basically, like you said, a, a, a talking stick. And mm -hmm. you take the talking stick, meaning now the spotlight's on me. I'm part of this scene. I'm going to talk. So like you said, often it would start, now I'm talking. You know, it would basically remove this third person description at the beginning of a scene to describe what's happening. And it'd be just like, now we're talking, I want to talk to you. So it, it would often feel more like a bubble. Like you don't really see the environment. You don't really see, you're just now having a conversation, which created great scenes. And it created very intimate moments. Intimate, I think exactly. It, it was very good at creating intimate moments. Yeah. But the problem we have is at the end of the scene, the way we envisioned of doing it was to take back this stick or this fucker fish and putting it back in the middle, indicating I'm done talking. But it doesn't work super well. And I think that's where this going third person kind of creates the gap between now I'm talking in character to now the scene is done. You can, I mean, the easy one is, oh, okay, well, I guess I'm glad you're doing this. And then my character uh, gets up and walks away. Mm -hmm. Just saying that kind of indicates I'm not in this scene. I, I'm not in the spotlight anymore. Um, so I think it, 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 uh, closed that gap, so it closes that gap a bit. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess what I'm hearing and, and what I think, you know, I'm thinking about is now that we have the puffer fish that I think works fantastic at our table, I, I think what I'd like to try to do is continue to use them, but almost make it like mandatory for me anyway, like. When mm -hmm. I create a pufferfish moment with somebody, I'm going to make an extra amount of effort to describe how my character enters the scene with the other character. Um, or, or if they're approaching me and they start talking, I might like back it up. It's like, well, you see my character he, mm -hmm. with his nose in a book and he's reading, you know, something. He's flipping pages very quickly and then looks up at you. And then I start to talk. Yeah, and you, sorry, just to cut you to a second, you, 
give you a little bit more merit. You're saying like, I'm going to start doing this, but you've been doing like, yeah, we yeah, had yeah. the beginning of this discussion. Like today we went really more into in depth, but like, and I noticed that you as a player at my table and I really appreciate when you do this. And I think the players also appreciate it because at first they were like always like a bit like thrown off, mm -hmm. but then it really, it kickstarts the discussion. Yeah, and it, it gives, I, I found that it gives them a little bit more to go off of, right? Maybe they came into the scene expecting to talk to me about something very specific. But now there's kind of like this ammunition. Oh, I'm reading a book. What's that book? Mm -hmm. Oh, why, why was I looking at it so frantically? What was I looking for? Um, how, like it, it, it gives an insight into my character that they probably would have in the, like, if, if we were actually in the middle of a forest and it was a full moon and we thought there was a werewolf out and I was looking up stuff about werewolves and they're coming to talk to me about where, you know, sorry for the like elaborate setup here, but <laughs> you know, if the game was happening in real life, we wouldn't have to give these descriptions. But it's not happening in real life, so we need to give these descriptions. I, I guess, I, I guess, ultimately, that's why this, we're having this whole conversation. Um, yeah, it's the visual, and I'm not even just the visual, but the whole can even be the smell. I mean, it's it's the it's the sensory. I guess everything that's not into just acting. Mm -hmm. Yes, we act our faces, we act the voice, and everything. But everything that's outside of that is also part of the world. I, I guess of your player, and should be explicit should be defined and your example was good also because i think it shows that by doing this description you can actually also um bring the conversation into a direction like you can almost um bring bring the discussion where you want it to be so maybe you want your diedrich you're looking at your book And uh, the book is about something related to, I'll say your backstory, it's more complex. It could be more complex mm -hmm, than that, mm -hmm. but like something related to, or you look at the, I don't know, a drawing of your family because you want someone to ask you about your family, but you don't want to be like, hello, ask me about my family. So you, in your description, you'll be like, uh, you approach and you see Diedrich uh, being lost in his thoughts, his thoughts looking at uh, a drawing. Mm -hmm. And then the person, like you said, will hopefully react to that. Maybe through also per person react, like all, there's going to be a scene, but also some of this back and forth. And that's what, what you're saying, going back first person, third person, first person, third person. Obviously, there's definitely a skill there. There's an art form there. Yeah. But doing this properly could really create a beautiful scene. Mm -hmm. And I think at the bare minimum, uh, players should try to, before entering first person, give a, like, kick it off with the third person description before you enter first person. And then when you exit first person, again, give, a, give it a little description. I, I, I think where I'm still learning the ropes more is... How do you inject a little bit of third person throughout yeah. the whole thing? Um, and, and I suppose it's, I suppose the answer is when you want to portray emotion a little bit more than just through your words. 
right? If, if something yeah. is important, perhaps the right approach is instead of making your character really, really passionate and loud and, and, and vocal about something, because that's often my, my approach is when something's important, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about it a lot. Well, maybe that's not what the character would really do. Um, yeah, well, the thing is, like, I agree with you, this can be done for an emotional, like, support, like, emotional display. Mm -hmm. But I think it's stronger than that because I'm thinking of Dimension 20 uh, with Brennan Lee Mulligan, and they focus on humor, right? It's, it's a comedy show. Yeah. It's a role-playing comedy show. And they do that third description all the time, that third-person description, but they often do it at, for a comedic effect. So they, they do it as like their character is doing something quirky or something outlandish that that is funny in the situation mm. and it, it creates that. So, so I think it's stronger than just an emotional thing. It can actually be whatever you want it to be. It's the often visual um, support of what you're actually saying. So I think it can be actually used for a wide variety of things. Our game is very like drama oriented. Yeah. So that's probably like the emotional thing is probably what it's going to be used for mainly. But even mundane thing like, oh, you see Ludolf is uh, washing his shield. Even like describing, like, I don't know why I'm thinking of the scene in Game of Thrones where Ned is like um, sharpening his blade under the tree. Mm -hmm. Like if you think of that, interaction with um uh, his wife as a role-playing scene if you remove the third person description the scene is just two people in a vacuum but being like oh you approach and you see that i'm sharpening my blade underneath the tree and then in the conversation the tree might come up and it, mm -hmm. it just it just elevates everything yeah yeah and you know what's actually super interesting and i'm the more we talk about it the more i'm thinking about it but it it doesn't even have to come up in the scene, right? No, it doesn't, yeah. But it 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 enriches the scene and it's going to eventually come up. It's we talked about preluding, we talked about um adding importance to things before they happen. This I'll go back to the example with my character looking at a picture. That picture doesn't need to come up in that scene, but mm -hmm. if I want to if me, Matt, as a player, I want to start adding importance to my family, well, I should inject descriptions about my family. If, if I'm trying to inject the importance of, uh, of a mission or of, of, I don't know, I'm trying to think of other examples, but like, I think you can prelude. So now I'm sorry, guys, for you listening. I'm going back to another episode entirely about, about preluding. Mm -hmm. um, where, like I said, it's, it's uh, kind of almost like foreshadowing, but for a character when they try to set themselves up for like a, an important scene or an important moment in the future. Well, you can do that setup through descriptions too, like interlaced with your interactions, um, I think can be super powerful. I think it's, yeah, that's amen. It, I mean, that's, I think it's great because what I love about that, let's say the, the, you hide your picture and you don't really want to talk about it. Even if maybe that's what you want to do, you want to be asked and be like, yeah, I don't want to talk about it because you, you know you want to give it importance later. Uh, I think what you said is 
is insightful because you're controlling your your, your future. You know something that you want to set up mm-hmm. that the other players might not, and then they get intrigued. And then once the reveal happens, uh, they feel like they followed the story. And they do that in movies all the time. And often it's in the backdrop. You don't really see it happening. It's just something. And then later you're realizing, oh, okay, the, this comment he made or that, that, that thing that's in the, that was in the background or in the room was actually important to what's going to happen. Yeah, and it, I'm making it sound like you need to know that it's going to be important. Maybe you don't. But you can't seed those things for yourself as a player if you don't do it. If, if you don't have the descriptions of your character in the third person, you're limiting yourself to never have that backdrop. And I think that that's a really big uh, omission as a player to, to, to have that. So, yeah, sorry. No, I think that's great. That's a great point. And, and you're talking about preluding as in, like we said in the prelude, preluding episode, it's setting up the future. It's like the opposite of a backstory kind of deal. Yeah. Well, yeah. obviously, these third-person moments could also be done to make explicit backstory elements. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Like, you have marks on your shield for the amount of people you kill. I don't know. Uh, then you want to describe it. You don't want to just know that your character has that and never say it. So you have to show it. Because often, you start a campaign, and the game master go, describe your character, describe your character. And that's when you describe your character. And then three years after you haven't added to that description, well, that's that's problematic in my book, right? And that's a great occasion to doing it. Yeah, little things, just simple things that come up. You can give them as much meaning as you want, or you can give them as little meaning in the moment and revisit them later. Or you can just come up with stuff and deal with deal with the consequences of what you came up with as you go. Like whatever you think is fun, but I I, I think it's it, it it has a lot of benefit to you as a player, to the other players in terms of your your interactions with one another, and to your game master to to know what elements of your background or of your objectives in the future you want to focus in on. It, it, it can it, it says a lot. Um, Look, you I think it's time to wrap up. Yeah, I think so too. That's <laughs> what I was gonna say. It's time to wrap up. So let's uh maybe quick summary, Chris. What did we talk about today? In addition so to all this, today we talked about going third person. So what's that mean? Obviously, it's targeted to every character, but mainly players because we tend not to do this. So we mean defining and making explicit elements about your characters through description, taking yeah. things and making it explicit. We talked about what is fair to describe, like fair play, uh, fair game is mainly everything that's about your character. That's usually most tables agree on. Then the blurred line is kind of like around your character and PC, maybe your headquarters. What's allowed by your game master, talk to your game master. Most of these descriptions, things that we would encourage you to try to describe are things like your actions or reactions as it relates to the game world, uh, as it relates to characters that you interact with or, or, or situations you, put, you, you are put in. Uh, you could also do this to describe things like your nonverbal cues, uh, things that normally would be part of like the scene, the, the, if there was a camera on you, 
your character's appearance, things like this. Or in combat, things like your spells, things like your attacks, things like your powers, what have you. Those are perfect things that you should consider describing. We talked briefly, but importantly, about the show-don't-tell rule, which often applies more here about emotions. So telling people how you feel is a little bit less valuable than in your description describing um, behavior that indicate that emotion. Mm -hmm. um, so those nonverbal cues we're talking about, don't say you're scared, maybe say, um, oh, you see, uh, I'm, I seem to be trembling, I'm backing up, looking around frantically. Like there's description. I, I always like the idea of like, you bring the person to the edge of the cliff, but you have to let the other person jump. Mm -hmm. they are the one making that that last step and often it creates nice moments yeah and then the, the last thing that maybe was a little bit more ambiguous here was this conversation about jumping between third person descriptions and first person acting uh, try to find that balance and trying to make sure that you don't just focus on one because the two of them together complement one another and can really take your role play to the next level so I, go ahead, Chris. I was just going to say at the beginning of this episode, you said maybe this is going to scratch your itch. I just want to play more now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I do too. And now I just want to have a whole bunch of, of pufferfish moments and <laughs> and go into all kinds of cool scenes. But anyway, yeah, I, I mean, this was a lot of fun. Uh, great, great episode, Chris. I can't wait to play in your uh, in your revolutionary role-playing game. Well, it's not going to be mine. That's the great thing, right? It's going to be everybody at the <laughs> table. That's, that's the point. It's I want it to not be mine. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, looking forward to it, Chris. Yes. Let's see you soon, Matt. <laughs> Let's call it a chat. <laughs>